Staying up to date with legal digital marketing trends can be hard, but it doesn't have to. I'm Leah Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media, and this is In Camera Podcast, your one-stop show for legal digital marketing news and updates. Welcome to In Camera Podcast, Private Legal Marketing Conversations. Grace, how are you doing today? Good. How are you, Leo? I'm doing great, Grace. Thank you so much for asking. And the date finally arrived, right? I know that for you, this has been a very busy and happening week. Why? Well, because of the, what you've shared with us last week, which is basically the deadline for Boy Scouts of America. So, Grace, can you just give us a little bit of an update as to how is that looking? Yeah, so um, today's November 13th, right? And the official deadline is November 16th, which means all claim forms need to be filed, submitted by 5 p.m. November 16th, which means, you know, it's always rush off to the races and get it done, get it done quick, 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 quick. So, yeah, that's kind of how it's been for me the last two weeks in particular. But, um, yeah, we're, we're slowly ramping down, you know, going down in terms of the uh, the craziness that normally happens right before a deadline. And Grace, just kind of like for uh, general understanding for us of us who are more on the marketing side of things, more so than the legal side, what happens after this deadline for this particular master? Can you give us a quick idea of what what is the next step? Because... Here is a lawsuit against an organization who's already filed for bankruptcy. I believe money's been set aside for settling, I, I guess, as many claims as possible. What, like, what's the scenario? What's the scene? So that's exactly right. This is a unique lawsuit, right? It's not so much a, a mass tort per se. Uh, it is, but it isn't. It's what they would call a bankruptcy lawsuit. And so a bankruptcy lawsuit is sort of like what they would consider, you know, chapter 11 is what is going on with the specific organization. They are filing for bankruptcy so that they cannot be held responsible beyond this point for all of the issues that have happened in the Boy Scout lawsuit, right? As we know, abuse, et cetera, et cetera. So um, that's the money that they've set aside. And the deadline is November 16th for people to claim the monies that are due to them for the abuse that occurred back back when and as you were asking me earlier um sort of offline you know what what was the criteria well it was at least for us um for others it may have been a little more um lax but for us it had to do with um uh, individual had to be an adult within the boy scouts organization harming a younger person in the boy scouts organization and that's basically what it fell down to you know um physical not physical but um more intimate type of abuse unfortunately and so all the people, the criteria that, you know, it didn't matter how long ago this happened to you. Um, you know, unfortunately, some were 60, 70, even 80 years old um, submitting claims for this. And so that's that's basically the, the, the overall idea of how it got to this claim. And they're trying to mitigate their risk going forward because it's now going to be Boy Scouts of America 2. And Boy Scouts of America 2 is going to kind of 
divest itself of the red files and all the bad things that happened to Boy Scouts of America 1. Right. Uh, keep us up to date with what continues to happen. And Grace, now going back to our topic for the day, it's been quite some time since we had actually just sat down and have a conversation about some very recent news and updates in the digital marketing world and how can they impact and influence legal marketing, right? And so that's a little bit of what we're going to be doing today. But before we jump into that, I do want to raise one more point that ties to our last week conversation about the takeaways for SEO from 2020. And that is, Grace, um, something that we did not mention in that conversation, but that it's super important. And that is that the future of search is not set in stone, right? Search as we know it right now is one version of it. And it may potentially change and evolve over the next few years, right? And I know what I'm saying here sounds very ambiguous, but what I'm trying to get to here is that Google dominates the search market right now. And one thing that has arised quite a bit during this year is potential direct competitors to Google. And we're not talking about Bing or some other smaller players that are trying to create a product here to compete with Google. We're talking about Apple potentially launching their own search engine. And that is really going to be, from day one, competing against Google like face-to-face. -face. Because Apple has access to, I believe, 60% of search through their browser, Safari, right? And so if... Apple is going to preset their uh, browser to run all search queries through their own search engine instead of Google, which I believe Google pays $12 billion a year to Apple to have Google be the preset search engine for Apple devices. It's going to be massive grace, right? So... With that being said, you know, you definitely want to keep in mind that things will inevitably evolve and it's very likely that Apple is going to be the one that's going to kind of kind of like disrupt this market, but uh it could also be one of the other competitors out there. So, that was just one little point I wanted us to add on to our last week's episode, if that's possible, right? <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, but we have more things, Grace, to look on for this week. Let's start off with sharing some data that was published a few days ago, and that is that actual ad spend on search has grown in 2020. So why is this surprising, Grace? Well, a lot of people thought with the pandemic, a lot of businesses cutting down on costs, not being able to whether the, you know, the impact of the pandemic on them and such, um, those kind of speculations are not actually panning out. Yes, for sure, there, has been, there have been industries that have been terribly impacted by the pandemic. But despite that, there's are, there are many other industries that have actually uh, benefited from it up to a certain extent, right? And so search... Uh, Search as, a, as an advertising platform, right, particularly Google Search, has actually substantially increased its revenues. And of, of course, I'm seeing substantially here, it's 6%, but it's still quite a bit, right? I mean, it's a considerable amount. And when you're looking at 
this being a pandemic, it's actually quite remarkable. So that's one point, Grace. Now, the other thing I wanted us to look into here is another important metric that has also been shared, which is where actions are happening, what kind of devices, and that's mobile, right? Mobile continues to be dominant when it comes down to capturing ads on search. And that's something that we see in the legal industry as well a lot, right? Particularly when we're looking at uh, personal injury, when we're looking at immigration, when we're looking at bankruptcy law, uh, workers' compensation, all of these practice areas that are more kind of like B2C and not so much aimed at business owners and such are actually searched and are driving more conversions through mobile devices. So this is massive. It's very important because this shift in market is obviously going to influence and has to influence uh, in a big way how law firms are designing their strategies. And not just that, not just the paid strategies, but also, you know, their organic strategies. What do you think, Grace? Um, you know, the only con- the only constant is change, right? So I, I do think, and I agree with you in terms of trends and, you know, Mobile devices are not going to go away. They never will. And if anything, it's just going to keep going that direction. Even though I know we said sometimes, and at least I noticed this a little bit, that people started went back to their desktop a little, um, a lot more than before because of the pandemic, right? So, um, but I do, yeah. right? And that's something yeah, that no, we know. That's actually asking. a very good point that you're saying here is because um, we did so an up. Uh, an update on uh, desktop search, primarily during the first few months of lockdown. But still, when it comes down to pay-per-click on search, mobile traffic converts and responds better to ads. So I've always been kind of like a believer that SEO tends to perform better on desktop devices because people have more have a better platform to explore and interact with organic content whereas pay per click ads on mobile devices are more efficient because they actually get you what you need right in front of it without having to set you up on a journey where you have to explore and that kind of takes us back a little bit to our last week conversation about uh, featured snippets, because that's a little bit what Google is trying to do with featured snippets is actually give you the specific information that your search query is about on the first piece of the screen on the search results page. So you get your response fast and you can go on to whatever it is that you were going to do next. I feel that that's the same effect that pay-per-click ads have. When you are high intent and ready to buy, the ad just makes your life easier. Going through organic search results means that you have to spend more time researching, figuring out, finding out, exploring. And that's not something that we are preferring to do on mobile devices. Of course, user experience on mobile devices has become really good for many particular big brands that have known how to leverage this and really uh, provide you an amazing uh, discovery search experience through their websites on mobile. But the reality is for most businesses, the experience of navigating their websites on a mobile device, even if they're fast and even if they're mobile optimized, right, it's still not as intuitive, right, as it could be. So. That's why landing pages are good, are effective, Mm -hmm. and that's why we see ads perform well 
on mobile devices. And it's just a trend that I think we'll continue to see grow and grow. And it's not me saying it, right? I mean, here in the chart that I've shared with you, Grace, oh, no, from eMarketer, there is an actual graph that shows that the incremental revenue for search uh, ads will continue to be increasingly substantially at a higher rate through mobile devices over the years than it will through desktop. So it's not like, oh, this is going to at some point uh, balance out or offset. Mm-mm. We're not looking at going back to no. uh, desktop being predominantly more effective than mobile, which really hasn't never been the case since no. mobile became a strong player. I feel like consumer behavior sort of states that, right? The customer journey where you might use your desktop and you'll use it, but you'll use it for the research phase sort of. And like you said, right right when you have that high intent, when I want to buy, I'm going to my mobile device and I'm clicking. And I want one, two, three clicks and I'm in, I bought it, I'm done. I don't care if it's a high price ticket item. It's because I already know I want that item. I'm going to buy it and I'm going to buy it on my mobile device because it's so much simpler than opening my laptop, my desktop and having to spend time to do that. So no, I I completely agree with you and I just feel like that's the trend it's going to go. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Grace. And I think that we can both agree that the mobile trend is continued to dominate higher intent usage, more conversions, and definitely be a central part of pay-per-click strategies. Now, Grace, um, what else do we have here on the news? So there's been a lot of, and it just kind of ties in with our cybersecurity and keeping an eye on your brand type of thing, right? where Google My Business listings have been hijacked. And, you know, it's basically phishing of your listing. Yeah. Right? And then I know a lot of us have seen that where claim your business, click here to claim your business. This is your, you're the business owner, click here. Well, unfortunately, a lot of people have been using that to their advantage, to your disadvantage, and claiming your listing on, on your behalf. And then basically you have to fight, pay, or do something to get it back. Um, Yeah. Google's aware of it. Um, they they do try to do their best, but especially with everything going on with the pandemic, I mean, they've been shut down half the time, right? Yeah, their response has slowed down quite a bit for many issues, and Google My Business uh, has not been an exception. Grace, and, and what you're saying here, it's, um, it, it's a real challenge, right? And comes to remind also of the importance of being on top of our listings and really reading very carefully everything that gets to us, right? And here is a little bit for those of you who are hearing about this for the first time, how the scam actually works. We all know that you can actually go to any business, Google My Business listing, and then there is a link somewhere that says, own this business, claim it, right? That's a, an actual official Google link and you, li- and you click on it and then you can actually actually request ownership from that business. Now, if that business has already been claimed by someone, what happens, Grace, is that an email gets sent out from Google officially, all very legitimate, saying, hey, this person is asking access uh, owner right or uh, some sort of ownership of your Google My Business listing. Should we grant it to them? 
And then, you know, you're not paying a lot of attention. Go ahead, click yes. And next thing you know is that somebody else now has access and ownership to your Google My Business. And I this could be devastating, right? If this is a major source for leads for you, you know, just think about them swapping the telephone number for a different telephone number or redirecting users to a different website, right? Uh, there is quite a few different things that can be done here that could directly and immediately impact the operations of your law firm. So I think, Grace, you know, the lesson here is just be extremely careful on those Google My Business notification alert emails that you get and don't just ignore them, read them very careful, carefully and alert uh, Google when you are suspecting that fraudulent activity has been committed. What do you think, Grace? And you can set up your own alerts, you know what I mean? For mentions of your brand name. I mean, how many times have you and I talked about that? So, you, you know, you definitely need to be hyper vigilant. And especially right now with all the cybersecurity problems that everyone's experiencing, Zoom, you know, hackathons and all kinds of stuff that's going on. So that includes, yeah. you know, your brand, your name and your listing on Google. Yeah. I mean, Google yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is where everybody is. So if you're not protecting yourself on Google, no one else will. Yeah. So that's um, more generally speaking, but even your Google My Business, that seems to be a slightly more controlled environment, it's actually managed and it's under the control of Google, can still be accessed by fraudulent uh, users. So Grace, let's move on to another topic here that we potentially may have talked about it at some point, but maybe not as much and with enough emphasis as it needs to, right? And that's the Americans with Disability Act impact on your website user accessibility. So here is some interesting data race. Most of the lawsuits over compliance with the ADA were actually aimed at smaller and medium sized businesses. Smaller organizations are more exposed to knowingly or unknowingly miss out on this requirement that need to have their website also to be accessible for users with disability, right? And automatically, when you're talking about a brick and mortar location, that comes kind of like naturally, you expect to see that. But when you are talking about the online presence of your business, you don't necessarily make that correlation as naturally as when you're talking as uh, about an in-person business. And the reality is that a lot of law firms, Grace, and I don't want to talk real, uh, here really uh, specifically about what are the uh, requirements that differentiate between a business that has to have their website accessible to users with disability and which don't. But the bottom line is that the trend points out to this becoming more and more of a normal thing. And I totally agree with it, Grace. I'll tell you why. Number one, we should all be making an effort to make our, our, our website and our brand friendly and accessible for any kind or any type of user with a disability, right? It's the right thing to do. Just leave aside any rules, leave aside any acts. This is just good human nature intuition. So that's number one. Now, 
we all know, you know, it has it's it's not been because people have purposefully said, no, I'm not going to do it. But up until now, it's been kind of like, OK, how do I do it? Right. What does that mean? What do I what what are the different adjustments and optimizations I need to make to my website in order for someone who has a hearing or other kind of disability can actually navigate through the website in friendly manner? I'm, may I say, right? And there are a lot of solutions now, great, that make this somewhat easy, right? Uh, there's a, a ton of widgets that you can add onto your website that automatically, and they stay present through your website, both on mobile and desktop, and actually let you, as a user that needs some special assistance to navigate through the site, that actually give you all kinds of options. Like if you have an, a, a site impairment, it will actually read out everything on the website for you. Right. right. If it's uh, another kind of impairment that you need the fonts to be uh, bigger, it allows you to increase the size of text. If it's another impairment that interferes with your ability to distinguish colors, it changes the color uh, patterns on your website to make it user friendly for that kind of disability. Right. Now, it's very important to say that most of these widgets are not uh, going to be 100 percent putting you in compliance with the requirements, right? But at least they will gonna make you maybe 90% compliant. And if you are one of those organizations, like big, big, big law firm uh, that has locations all over the states, all over the city, like multiple locations in the city and so, you actually should invest in making your websites 100% ADA compliant, right? And I think the more that, and as I'm saying this, Grace, it, it reminds me that we've had for sure talked about this before. We just need to stop looking at it as an upgrade. It's just part of your normal website plan. And I know a lot of agencies that do websites, not just for uh, law firms, but for in general uh, businesses, they already add these widgets and plugins that help help convert websites into uh, accessible websites. So that's actually, Grace, uh, something, you know, that as we are approaching the end of the year and we are revisiting, like, who got sued for this? Uh, well, it's small and medium-sized businesses, right? And these are really strong and hard to overcome lawsuits that can easily bankrupt a business that it's uh, underprepared. So just putting it out there, Grace, I'm going to put up a link on our episode notes for userway.org, which is one of those plugins that I've uh, mentioned. That's what we use in our agency and on the uh, on our clients' agent, um, websites. They have a free version that you can actually add to your website without necessarily having to pay for any kind of subscription or such. Of course, it has limitations, but as I said, Grace, you know, you start by taking some steps and being better prepared than just not being prepared at all. So what do you think? Well, I mean, I used to work retail. So for me, when it comes to ADA compliance, it's extremely important. And I've always, you know, been a huge proponent of making sure that as many people as possible are ADA certified in one way or another to be able to help anybody that's around them, particularly when you work retail, right? I used to work at Target many, many, many moons ago. And I was ADA certified to literally help anyone that had any type of disability coming into the store. And so to me, online front, just another store. You you need to be ADA compliant. You need to help these people because they are people. What's the difference? You know, you need to have something yeah. that can read it out loud to them that, you exactly. know, it needs to do something to help 
anybody out there that wants to consume your product. Yeah, absolutely, Grace. So I guess we both agree and believe um, in this. Now, Grace, uh, I think we have room for one more news and update. What do you have for us? Okay, so back to the cybersecurity and bugs and this, that, the other. We're kind of rolling oh, right back to that. You, you love that, Grace. I, I sure do. I sure do. And by the way, our cybersecurity post was retweeted um, by three different cybersecurity firms. Oh, our really? Yes, our podcast <laughs> was retweeted by three different cybersecurity firms. Just letting that's you know. That's great. <laughs> that's that's a great example of social listening, Grace. Yes. Thank you so much for staying up to date with <laughs> those who are engaging and commenting on our uh, episodes. That's always encouraging. <laughs> so, so, great. Thank you yes. for retweeting and, and reposting. Yes, of course. It's our podcast and I want other people to benefit from what we're talking about, not just us. I mean, it's great for us to have a fantastic cybersecurity person, an IT tech person like Nate Cucciari from N8ITS Solutions. But still, I mean, we want other people to benefit too, right? Yeah. So, the last topic is more Facebook ad bugs unnerve advertisers ahead of Black Friday. So. We all know yeah. Facebook is one of those places. It can be trolled. It can be hacked. It can be, I mean, this is what's going to happen, right? This happens. And we know Facebook is so open in that sense that people try to find any which way to get in there and either sit on top of your page, you know, steal your, your thunder in terms of your uh, traffic, whatever it is, this is something that's known to happen in Facebook. So, you know, what do you think about the fact that it might benefit Snapchat and Pinterest? Do you think it will? Well, so here, definitely, Grace, Facebook has become somewhat unreliable when it comes down to launching campaigns and managing your ads accounts, mm -hmm. right? Uh, particularly this past month, because of the elections, it has just been hard, right? You just encounter accounts getting deactivated as a whole temporarily, uh, ads that have been running and approved for a while, all from the sudden, inadvertently just getting disapproved. It's just not a very reliable platform right now to run campaigns. And as you very well said, I mean, it's been breaking quite a bit lately and Facebook is acknowledging this, right? It's not like they're saying, no, 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 our platform is perfect. You guys need to sort out your own things because uh, everything's working fine from our end. They're, they've actually been uh, acknowledging that, yes, they've been facing some issues. So now to your point, Grace, are other platforms, Snapchat, Pinterest, going to benefit from this? Uh, to be very honest with you, in the shopping industry, in e-commerce, yeah, of course, 100 percent are you kidding me like nobody can sit and you know just with folded arms and wait for facebook to get their act together right and the same thing is what we say to law firms like you cannot have all your eggs in one basket you cannot just rely 100 on your facebook ads because there will come a day when something's gonna happen to the system involuntarily and it's just gonna lead to your campaigns just not being performing as they were maybe it's a facebook glitch or maybe it's just an overall change in user behavior right and so you need to make sure that you have different touch points where you can get in front of your desired uh, clients. And so I same thing that I would say to someone who's only doing Google Ads, for instance, hey, you need to diversify and be on Facebook as well. Same thing I say to people who are primarily counting on Facebook to be the main source of marketing. You need to diversify. You need to be on YouTube. You need to be doing some search. You need to be doing some display. And if 
um, you feel that other platforms such as Twitter, such, such as uh, Snapchat can actually be leveraged for your business, then absolutely go go and test them and, and try them out. But to your point, Grace, it looks like, right, with all of the activity and the amount of, uh, and as we've just seen, right, like digital marketing has not slowed down. As we're moving now, Grace, to our takeaways, I think I would like to start off with the first one, okay? Because digital marketing has not slowed down. Anyone who is under the impression that the year of the pandemic has slowed down uh, advertisers from investing in advertising on digital platforms is wrong. And that is not just applicable for big enterprises. We're talking about the legal industry. Okay, true that a lot of people uh, stopped their advertising during some point or another during the early days of the pandemic rates. But I can tell you right now, the markets are very, 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 very competitive. A lot of advertisers have gone back and they're getting into things very firstly. And those who actually remain, will they continue to advertise as they were doing? So there was really not a massive dip in terms of uh, advertising for the legal industry and as a whole, definitely not. So you can argue also, Grace, that because of people not being outside as much as they were, working from home, they were actually spending more time online. We, we saw and we have stat statistics that are showing that the use of social media increased by up to 40% during the early months of COVID-19. It has remained very high. Right. And so as we've just looked at search ad spend on the uh, third quarter, having grown by 6%, you know, there's a lot of data that is backing up that digital marketing remains very, very strong. So that's my first takeaway. Don't be misled into believe that this is no time for advertising because every time somebody is not advertising in the market, they're just leaving more room for their competitors to just take it all. And that's my takeaway number one, Grace. What do you have for takeaway number two? So um, I know it kind of goes back to our previous one, but you know, keep an eye on everything, on all the things that are out there with your name on it, with your brand, you need to, because they're gonna steal your Google My Business listing. If that, if you haven't, if you haven't already claimed it by now, you're not listening. Grace, that sounded like a conspiracy theory. They're going to come and, 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 and steal your Google My Business listing. You it have no happen. idea how many it, times it, I've seen it happen. I have it, seen it, it a lot. It could happen. It's not going to happen for sure, but it could happen. It could. So. It could. <laughs> um, and, yes. I, and then, you know, I mean, part of that is just... It, you need to make sure you just keep an eye on everything. I think it's super important and that, you know, you maintain your brand and your voice and everything that we always talk about and just kind of bring it home and be watchful. I mean, right now it's the pandemic and, you know, there's Zoom hackathons, as I mentioned at the beginning, because there's the ability to do so. There's more time to do this and more people online. And so just, you know, pay attention to what you're doing and I think that, you know, keep cybersecurity in the back of, a, of your mind, if not at the forefront when it comes to a business plan, you know? Yeah. You know, Grace, I, I, I agree with you. And I'm also going to use this as an opportunity to share with you, which is my favorite kind of client. My favorite kind of client is that that forwards me every single time that they get an email from uh, Search Console, from Google My Business, just telling me that their picture has been seen 2,000 times, right? And they forward that to me just like to keep me on the loop. 
I love that grace because I know that it's giving them the reassurance that we are looking and advising them against anything that may be suspicious, right? right? And so if you have a digital marketing partner that is helping you, make sure that any questions that you have of anything that may look suspicious to you, you're bringing forward to them because that's what they are there for, Grace. So that's actually a very good takeaway and it can never be said enough. So what would be our last takeaway for today, Grace? So for me, the last takeaway and, you know, because it's so important to me and it always has been to tell you the truth, my father is disabled. I think that you need to make things ADA accessible, everything, everything that you have, everything that you can, I would do that because is not just benefiting you and, and, you know, op, you know, making sure that you don't get, you're mitigating risk, right? You're not, so you don't get sued, but it's also to help the, everybody and make sure everybody can consume your product online or otherwise. So I think it's super important to look into your ADA, ADA accessibility. Um, and are you able to serve to anybody and can they hear it? Can they read it? Can they do whatever it is they need to do to be able to consume the content on your website and actually be a customer. Couldn't have said that better, Grace. You're absolutely spot on. Uh, do it for the users, first of all, right? Yep. But it's also a risk control factor. Mm -hmm. So as I've said a few moments ago, there are tools that make it now somewhat Easy. easy. Easier. It doesn't have to be, I mean, Yes, sure, you can partner up with an agency and you can run an audit and then you can actually hire them to do it for you. Fine and fair, but you can also initiate the entire process by researching some good uh, tools out there that could help you. As I said, we're going to be linking to one on our episode notes, and that's a good starting point. Again, I do want to mention that to be 100% compliant, you do going to have to have some actual specific and custom work uh, done on your site, but you will be potentially taking a good initial step by adopting one of the solutions that we've suggested. Grace, thank you so much for being here today. I know you're busy. I know the moment that you're going to disconnect, you're going to have to jump back and deal with all of this workload sitting on your shoulders with regards to uh, Boy Scouts of America. But thank you also for giving us a quick update on that. And we're looking forward to hearing more of you next week. All right. Same here, Leo. It's always a pleasure. It's my pleasure, Grace. Take care. Have a nice day. You Bye. Too. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your co-workers, leave us a review, and send us your questions at ask at incamerapodcast.com. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.